welcome to Project 99. It is January 29th, 2021. I can't believe we have already survived the first month uh, of post-2020. One more dismal month of more or less winter. February is like the worst. And then we'll start to see some little green buds on the trees and it will be like... I'm so excited. I swear. I'm going to I'm going to take the first like month of nice weather off of work and just lay in my front yard. Um God, yeah, winter sucks so much. I know. <laughs> um, like it makes me have a lot of empathy for people who live in countries where it's really cloudy and Yeah, isn't like Alaska have like bleak one of the, the highest like alcoholism and murder rates per capita? Oh, I don't cap- know anything like- about that statistic, but I do they have like certain areas where there's like months of barely any daylight (laughs) yeah fuck that it would be horrible totally horrible yeah that sounds awful but uh i don't know too because like we were in england and it started sprinkling and we were immediately running for like cover because here if it starts raining and you feel like a speck of rain it's coming in west virginia like (laughs) there's gonna be it's most of the time like it's like a little warning that you have a couple minutes and then you're gonna get pounded and so we were over there and it started sprinkling we're like oh my god we don't have an umbrella where are we gonna go and which was probably bad planning to not have an umbrella when you go to visit england but um yeah it didn't um it never materialized into an actual like torrential downpour so i don't know if they have that there i've never actually looked it up but I just thought it was funny that we were so waiting for like all of this rain that didn't come. Yeah, everybody always says London's like a super rainy city, but it really didn't rain when we were there. But it's not like pouring down rain. It's not like tropical style giant droplet rain. You know what I mean? You know what else was weird about that? I've been thinking about uh, like how your environment affects your uh, mood. And in West Virginia, like it's just miserable. So so cold here, so many months of the year. And like we don't even have pretty winters. It's just like this gray slushy like yeah. gross everything's frozen and dead it's like awful and um i also wonder like how much of just like the architecture and stuff you know what i mean like it's, i feel like we live in such a poverty stricken place that everything's like run down and there's like trash everywhere and it's just like so depressing and like when we were there like i just swear all of europe is so fucking beautiful like even there's even something artistic about the disgusting, nasty, gross subways of Paris for some reason. <laughs> I mean, I think it's easier to romanticize about a place that you don't have to see it every day. But you are definitely right that like we took an Amtrak train to New Mexico. Uh, let's see, back in 1993, and um, before you were born, obviously, and uh, it was very interesting to see how the people who got on and off the train at, in different states their whole demeanor and their personality like when you talk to them seem to reflect their geographical area so like kansas and wyoming like and all of this is completely stereotypical subjective bs because like obviously there's all kinds of people everywhere but um it did seem like people that live in flat wide open spaces where you can see people coming from a mile away were a lot more like open and then like when we went to new mexico it was like really touristy and everybody was very friendly but like up in taos we went and drove through some like mountainous, like artistic towns, and like people were like peeking out their doors, like, "What are you doing on the road?" <laughs> and I was like, "This is so much like West Virginia. Like, if you see somebody on your road up in the hills here that you don't know, you're just like, what are you doing on my road?'" I just swear that like every place 
like away from here is so much happier and friendlier like ohio sucks ass west virginia sucks ass like pa is a little bit better but like man even just you know when we would drive down to south carolina and you go through virginia and north carolina and it's like they still have the poverty problems but like i don't know the people just don't seem as shitty but like i don't know i feel like it's a double-edged sword because they might be friendly to your face but like you know they're all fucking like Trump supporters and shit, and you're like, I know there's some <laughs> grossness in there. You might be nice to me and offer me biscuits right now. I do want right to say, now, though, that some one of my neighbors over Christmas left me a package on my porch, or sent me, and sent me a Christmas card. Don't know the lady, but um, her her address was on the card, which is funny because she mailed it, and she lives two doors down, and it went all the way to Pittsburgh and came all the way back <laughs> in the post, which is funny. But anyways, like, well, I thought it was so really so sweet, and so I, you know, made up a little package, and um, got a card and when I walked it down to her house she had like a big Trump thing like on her fence and you know it just did remind me like that people have different political persuasions for different reasons and not everybody you can't group everybody into one category it just I it always makes me think twice because I'm just like if this person knew that my uh politics were different are they immediately going to be ignorant right. towards and me I, and i think it's a or whole like th- if i were a different color is this person <laughs> gonna be fucking you know what i mean like i don't know i mean obviously like we're all in a state now where things are so like divided that i thought the same thing i'm like well if she went around the side of my house and saw the bernie sticker on my car like would she have been like screw that bitch yeah <laughs> i don't yeah. know but like they seem like really sweet people and you know so and i think a lot of people are driven to extremist ideas on the left and the right out of fear because i know a lot of progressives that are like super militant anti-gun shit and like i've been raised around guns my whole life i have we have guns and we're leftists and we don't really see any conflict in that whatsoever but if you talk to like a leftist liberal from somewhere that is just like you know the stereotypical liberal they're just like so hateful and fearful like i i saw a post from some guy on twitter who was saying that like you don't need to carry a gun or a knife or anything like that in public and i was just like laughing like so restaurants are not going to have steak knives now because you could like run out of the restaurant with a steak knife and stab somebody like it's just so crazy to me the extremism sometimes on both ends you know yeah it's pretty nuts it's definitely pretty nuts. But anyway, um, now that we've rambled for a few minutes, um, on to our topics of the week. Uh, first of all, fuck Robin Hood <laughs> and Wall Street. <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, if you're talking about this GameStop, um, I don't know what you want to call it, stock holdout, stock hostage situation. Yeah, like everybody's probably heard about it already because it's been blasted all over the news. Like... This is, I don't know. It's kind of funny because, like, normally the news wants, like, these really emotional, violent news stories because, like, people will be eating it up. But they've been pounding about this shit. Like, they're, it's, like, freaked out about it. And, you know, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, ha ha, like everybody else, you know, the rich got taken for a ride because they thought all of the populace were too stupid to, you know, do anything to really hurt them. So on that, of course, on that end of it, I'm like, yay. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, everything that happens in social media that's orchestrated like this is being done by some behind the scenes force. And I'm like, don't mean to sound like a crazy conspiracy person, but I think there's a lot of experimentation going on right now on social media to 
discover certain personality traits and to see if they can control people, if they can create these flash mobs out of, you know, um, picking on people's grievance. I mean, I've read some of the tweets of people that are in this Robin Hood thing, and it's obviously it's totally not motivated by money. It's motivated by screwing the rich guy, right? And, uh, you know, obviously, like, there's an impulse to that. But I've learned in life that if someone puts something in front of you and you have an impulse to react to it, it's a very high, high possibility that you're being manipulated. So you think this is orchestrated? I think it is orchestrated because Robinhood is owned by a hedge fund company. So, and you saw what happened as soon as it actually worked, they shut it down. Hmm. So I don't know if somebody on that, I, I don't know the origin of it. I don't know if it was something that the site itself promoted or if it was a person on the site who got it rolling. I'm not really sure where the origins of it are. Well, it started on Reddit on this uh, board called uh, Wall Street Bets. And uh, kind, of, kind of spiraled from there. But, I mean, obviously, reading a username on a keyboard, I guess you never really know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I like the overall effect that it's having uh, on people my age. I think uh, a lot of people that uh, for years and years have... I think a lot of people viewed me as a straight radical. And, like, I, people make jokes about me all the time. Like, well, you just hate rich people. And, like, I fucking resent that. Because I'm like, I do not hate rich people, man. Like... I, I don't, I don't, I don't even hate, I don't hate millionaires. Like I just, it, it's just like the Bezoses and the Musks of the world. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't like people that exploit working class people to make their fucking ridiculous amounts of money that right. then they hoard. Right. Like, I only like to talk, I don't, I just hate the toxic rich people. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So I feel like this whole thing has opened up a conversation. And a lot of people have been talking to me about it. Cause I'm just like my number one political belief amongst everything else is that there should be more wealth and equality. Right. You know what I mean? Put put an end to the fucking broken system. Every single part of every system that is supposed to represent us is ruined with money. You know, politics, uh, business, I mean, just, just everything. The right. rich win and we fucking lose every right. single time. And if it doesn't work out that way, they will make it work out that way. They will change the rules. I mean, it, it just doesn't matter. And I think a lot of people are seeing that. And um, it's kind of getting that eat the rich chant going. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about that because I'm just like, man, everything that goes on in our country, I just keep hoping that like people will realize like once the shit gets started that like, wait a minute, there is a lot of us. Right. Like, so, let's uh, right. work together and right. have some fucking class warfare. And I'm like, hell right. yeah. Like, I'm wait- I'm not going to get too excited because I feel like if that shit didn't happen after the 2008 collapse, I don't know if I have a lot of hope. I mean, I know like my generation is older now. So like, and they're a little bit more radical. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. Well, this goes to a lot of like we talk all autonomous because Project 99 is about the 99% versus the 1%. But you, we talk a lot about historical, the historical aspects of oppression and you know, how there's always this elite minority at the top that has wealth and power. And they, they have control of the structure, the infrastructure of society. So they make sure that they construct that infrastructure to hold the masses down to keep them in check you know so the police state surveillance state like all those things are are controlled by rich people the whole quote law and order thing is really not about law and order at all it's about keeping certain people in their place 
and uh, n- not allowing them to pose a threat to the status know, quo. The status quo. The wealthy people, like in bigger cities, like when you have like L.A. and you know New York City and big places where there's like a small group of really really rich people, like they they have heavy control over the police department because the police are there at the behest of rich people to keep the poor people out of our neighborhoods. Like, yeah, I like I mean, this meme I saw, and it says, if the penalty for a crime is a fine, then that law only exists for the lower class. And exactly. Like this little angry guy, and I'm like, valid yeah. point, though. I so, mean, so much of it is just structured to keep poor people obedient. I mean, that's, that's what hierarchy does, you know? And so we've talked in the past about whether it be politics or social issues, um, you know the justice system i mean what we right what we always come back to on this show is talking about how you know every little battle that we fight every protest everything you do um it really isn't going to make a long-term change until you change the underlying structures that allow the inequality to happen so the most interesting thing to me about this gamestop thing is that you know with the with the occupy wall street I mean, I lost like 30 grand, which was my entire retirement at that point. Um, And I was sinking a good bit of money into it. In 2008 collapse? Yes. I only had, you know, been putting money into it for a few years, but, you know, the company matched it and, um, you know, I was putting a good bit of money into it and it's just overnight was gone. And I was young enough to, you know, be able to recover from that and recoup that and thankfully owned my house. So I didn't, you know, lose my house. but. You know, the fact that, like, that really made a lot of people, you know. I should go back and look, too, and see if there was any, like, violent outbursts or protests from that. Well, sure there was. There was the Occupy Wall Street movement, which wasn't necessarily violent, but they, like, you know, went to um, Wall Street and camped out. Right, yeah, I knew that. But and, I'm just um, saying, like, if that shit happened, anything. like, if the 2008 crisis happened now, like, 2021, mm-hmm. And people lost their homes and like no one ended up having to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, they fucking bailed companies out. I honestly think that people of my generation would just go set some fucking cars on fire and shit. I mean, I think I mean, it, maybe we're just blind with violence or rage or what I mean, overwhelmed with feel. I don't know. But I just I don't think people my age would like just sit there and, and take that. Right. I mean, well, the idea, the concept of like nonviolent, you know, being noncompliant and all that stuff was is like. Obviously, you hope you can make change that way, but basically, these fat cats at Merrill Lynch that got the bailout, Obama bailout, the Bush bailout, the Obama bailout, they sat back and were, like, laughing at the Occupy movement. Like, the only thing they were worried about was there wasn't enough porta-potties and people were pooping in public. That's all they were. It was an annoyance. It really didn't impact the way that this, um, you know, trading is showing. What happened with this GameStop was that the the people on the internet found a way to um, over overtake, overpower, to hold ransom the system itself. I have a really good explanation that someone sent me um, as a screenshot that was posted on Instagram that I, I felt like was a pretty good summary and explanation of how this all happened because I know a lot of people didn't really understand it. I was kind of laughing to my friend too because I'm like, I'm a business major and I'm about to graduate. And like, I have very basic knowledge of the stock market. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's not an accident. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they purposely do not want people uh, knowing in depth about the stock market. Um, 
on a large scale. Um, but I was like, okay, so I like I understand the basis of what's happening here, but this post was uh, really good, so I'll read it to you guys. <clears throat> it says, I know at least one of my followers doesn't quite understand what is happening in the stock market right now, and that's enough to motivate me to explain because this is somewhat of a turning point in world history. First, you need to understand what a short is in trading. A short is when you borrow a stock from a broker and sell it immediately at its current price. Then you hope the stock's price falls such that you can buy the stock back at a lower price and return the shares you borrowed to your broker, but keeping the difference. So example, let's say I want to short XYZ, which has a current price of $10. I borrow one share and sell it immediately at $10. I have $10 now, but I owe my broker the one share I borrowed. Then let's say the price of XYZ drops to $7. I now decide to cover or buy it back my short possession and buy one share at $7 and return the one borrowed share to my broker. I made $10 when I sold the one and only had to pay back seven to buy it back at a lower price. So my profit is the $3 difference. So, I mean, I felt like that was a pretty good summary of how that works. And um, I don't know. The only thing I don't know about it is how they specifically target these like hedge funds target specific companies because GameStop kind of made sense. We've all known that that company was going mm -hmm. down for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but some of these other random ones, like they're talking about BlackBerry and Nokia. And I'm like, I mean, lots of companies have dipped in 2020. Right. So like why these ones specifically? Well, they have a lot of hedge funds have a lot of analytics AI. They have like tons of stuff that, um, you know, help them to project whether stocks are going to go up or down. And um, they're always learning from the market itself, like what different predictors and, you know, so it's kind of like they have a little bit of a crystal ball. Now, what made this particular case really bad? Because I, one of the things I had to find out was that companies that are sold short are on a list. You can find out a company that someone has bet against. Oh, really? Right. Okay, so, so that, that's probably... On that, on that board... You know, they had listed that um, GameStop was uh, short sold by like 113% or something. Okay, so that so, definitely makes sense as to how people knew to... Right. And so what that meant, according to what I've gleaned from the television, is that, you know, the person that buys, but the borrows that stock, they have to pay interest on it. So if they're holding out and holding out as the price is dropping... The longer they're holding out, they're all, already losing money on interest. So they got to hope that at the point that it drops low enough that when they get out, they make enough profit to cover that interest and to cover, you know what I mean? They got to sell back. Right. I think one of the common misconceptions that a lot of people are getting from this is that they, you know, because it's circulating on social media, people are thinking, well, buy GameStop um, and then hold on to it. And then if everybody buys it, the prices will go up and then we can all sell and make a lot of money. But that's really not why they're doing this. They're doing, they're doing it, it. Right. Because the, because the, the billionaires, the, the people, well, hedge fund people, the hedge fund people <clears throat> are losing money. The higher right. the stock goes, the more money they lose. And the thing about, you know, um, a short is different from like, if you invest in a company and you put a hundred dollars into the stock, the most you can lose is your hundred bucks. The company goes totally bust. You just lose a hundred dollars. But with a short, you're basically betting on the company going down. So if the reverse happens and the stock gains in value, now you're in going in debt. So what, what happened was, you know, all these people bought this stock and drove the price up on it. 
which cost them, I don't even know how many billions of dollars like they lost over this deal. But um, the problem now is, and the reason why Robinhood shut it down was because let's say the guy who short sold the stock wants to get out. He wants to just say, okay, I lost. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, get out now or whatever. The problem is if nobody will sell him the stock, he can't get out. Yeah, See but the, shitty, the shittiest thing about it is, is that Robinhood is an app that is primarily used by, you know, people who don't have a lot of experience in, in stocks. Right, you know but I mean? they know that so the longer they hold on to it, the more money this rich guy loses. Yeah, but I don't think that's why Robinhood's doing it. I think Robinhood's doing it so that people can stop driving up the price of it. I mean, and especially since some of these places, um, I couldn't name one specifically. I know there's a lot of them like E-Trade and uh, TD America. There's just, they're just so many. But a lot of them were only limiting purchasing power of these stocks to people with uh, accounts with like less than $300,000 in value and shit. And it's just like that's specifically right, exactly. to help them and mm-hmm. hurt us. Exactly. It's absolutely crooked. It is. And, and uh, I heard one journalist on TV today say that for Robin Hood to say that they're only going to let, you know, people with more money <laughs> do the same type of trade. It's like um, the whole concept of their business is we're here to help the little guy get into investing, right? Yeah, what a fucking ironic name, so, Robin yeah. Hood. So but it, you're, you're actually fucking the poor people to help the rich people. Right, so it, it would be like Amazon telling you that you have to go to the store to buy your stuff now. It's completely counterintuitive to their own business model for them to tell people they can't buy. But I think what they, what they didn't plan on happening was that now all of these mass investors who are threatening that they will not sell the game, game stop stock, they won't sell it, um, they kind of have these short-selling people held hostage. And so the Robin Hood is, uh, uh, you know, place is like, okay, well, how, how do we intervene in this hostage situation? Because here's another thing they got to Well, consider. the only thing, too, is that they're, they're just going to fuck their own business because where they won't, someone will. I right. Mean, and so here's another problem, of- too, is that the, okay, so let's say you got all these people out there that bought this stock that was like, maybe when they bought it, it was like $50, right? So as they continue to inflate the price artificially, okay, because the only reason the price is going up is because they, these, it's in so much demand right now. The, because the short pe- the short selling people want to get out <laughs> badly. And I mean, I feel like that's a pretty legitimate demand. Right. So right. <laughs> that's so a good reason. Right. So the, the price keeps going up because the people want out the supply and demand side. So eventually some of those people that put their fifty dollars in are gonna be like, okay, now it's worth a thousand dollars. Like Sorry, but I need $1,000. And so some of those people are going to crack and they're going to start selling. Now, once they start selling the stock off and there's more stock available, then the price is going to go back down. And that stock is not worth, the GameStop stock is not worth $1,000 a share. It's artificially high. The same way that, you know, during the housing bubble and the, and the dot-com bubble and everything, they artificially inflate the value of it, it is not worth that money. It's, it's a fraud. So when it, when, it, when it comes to be found out that the thing you're selling is not worth what you're selling it for, 
the bubble bursts and then it plummets and the first people who sell are the only people who get their money out and the rest of the people get screwed. So, which is why I think a lot of these uh, online threads that are promoting people doing this are just trying to get the most people possible. You know what I mean? And if you if you're reading legitimate sources, um, like a lot of these Reddit sources, they explain that. You know what I mean? They're telling people, don't buy this in hopes to make money because that's not why we're doing this. Right. Because you're you're going to lose it. This isn't to make money. Like, right. this is basically payback, um, which is what I keep trying to tell people. I mean, people. somebody's going to make money, but it's only going to be the first few people that right. get out. Yeah, don't be cashing out your savings to buy uh, GME right now because that's not what the purpose of it is. Um, but I think, though, the big, the big overall overarching thing to take away from it is we're coming for you. Yes. <laughs> this is how you take over. You have to invade the infrastructure of a power structure. So like getting people into office, the problem with that is, you know, cause we're always like, well, if we can get some progressives into office, you know, we could get some shit done. But as soon as they get in there, the establishment starts saying to them, well, you got to bend on it. You got to do, you got to bend on this, whatever. And it is true because I know people have been tearing up Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because she entered like a fi- like a meteor, okay, into Congress. And people were like, oh, finally a true progressive. And now every time she compromises on anything, like people are just want to crucify her. And I'm like, listen, she is one person out of 435 people. She doesn't get to storm in there and dictate to everyone how it's going to be now she can right. believe as much as she wants to believe but that is what democracy is it's compromise yeah okay? it's, which i know when people bitch about that and they're like well they're not getting anything done so they immediately like abandon support for that person but i think something that people forget is that the message that she's spreading and and the way that she is consistent is educating people every single day right about well this right. is what politicians should be like and that's what's called getting the buy-in so when you work at a corporation, the people, the corporate talking heads come up with these policies, procedures, ideas, some of them good, some of them completely stupid. And if you're a middle manager, you know, the success of whether this policy or whatever goes forward is how well you can get the buy-in of the people that work for you. And you can force, you can threaten them. You can threaten to write them up. You can threaten to fire them. You can make their life a living hell, or you could just go, hey, look. I know that you think this policy is dumb, that we have to smile at the guests and use their name and all that stuff. But like it, it makes a difference in the company. And like this is, our, well, this is where we want to go with the company. Like you have to talk to your people. You can't just brute, like just come in there with brute force. So what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says is like, listen, you know, we have to do things to save the planet because we're all going to die if we don't. And she is constantly like trying to go back to the material itself. That's why I think a lot of these populists on the right wing, like the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lauren Boberts, are going to turn to complete utter shit in a couple of years. Because they're riding into office on Trump's coattails, and he's gone. And um, although he did officially open his office of the former president, I don't know if you knew this or not. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Pathetic. Which is so sad. It is really sad and disgusting. What's even more disgusting is Kevin McCarthy flew down there to kiss the ring of a guy who's not even in office. So that, that, but the whole Republican Party have jumped on this populist idea. And what it's really going to come down to is um, you can rev your people up and you can get them really angry. But at the end of the day, 
What did you do for their life to make it any better? And I mean, there, there are going to be some people who will become diehard brainwashed, just, you know, won't listen to anything because they have the loyalty to the party. But then there's going to be some people who, like a lot of people right now have woken up to the fact that, you know, you can't get health care, even if you work, even if all the bullshit you've been told by Republicans all these years that, well, the reason you can't get health care is because you don't want to work. You don't want to get a job. You know, it's not a, a right or a privilege. You have to earn it and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people go out and work day in and day out and still can't get health care for a multitude of reasons. So the, all their bullshit fell apart and people that are sick and dying are like, okay, your line of bullshit is not making my life any better. And they started to abandon that section of the Republican Party because they're like, it's just lies. So, I mean, I kind of hope that this flash in the pan, you know, populism fades off. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, man. I just uh, couldn't help but like wake up to all this. Well, I was like reading about it and like pouring a cup of coffee and I'm like, I love the smell of class warfare in the morning. <laughs> please, please. I mean, it is kind of funny though, that cause I'm like, I just, I don't know. I just feel like, I mean, I did have the privilege of being surrounded by a family that has always been a part of a larger conversation and has always taken an interest in like, you know, politics, especially. Um, so I, I will always be thankful for that. Uh, I don't I don't discredit anybody for not knowing about these situations, especially when the 2008 collapse happened. I was in eighth grade. So, you know, what I mean, I'm not looking at my peers and expecting them to know better. But I keep telling everyone, like, you know what I mean? Like these people have been doing this for s centuries, <laughs> you know, like they pe pe rich people have been crucifying poor people and like fucking them over and ripping them off since like the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And in America, we don't punish people for that. We're not France. We don't we don't. uh we don't kidnap CEOs and, you know, get our way. We kind of just passively accept it. And then we move on to the next uh, thing that pisses us off and forget about it. Um, so I just wouldn't hope for any change in a positive direction for us. Although I won't be surprised if they roll out some kind of legislation that prevents this from happening to hurt the rich people again. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens before we get our next stimulus check, if it ever comes. So, I mean, you know what I mean? I hate to be a pessimist, but I'm just like, yeah, guys, I mean, I love the energy, but... Just don't hold your breath. You know what I mean? Yeah, you still got the same people that are making the rules in the same positions of power. So, <clears throat> I mean, in the Trump approved, picked approved, whatever you want to say, Supreme Court justices, you know, Amy Coney Barrett, I think, ruled in cases where it was employer versus employee, like 70% of the time in favor of the, you know, employer, the corporate side of the coin so <clears throat> you know they passed citizens united i mean it, it it's really gonna gonna be hard for me to see them actually saying well this is not like, unfair to do to poor people <laughs> like yeah no don't hold your breath <clears throat> but anyway so on to our next topic mick i know you wanted to cover the uh republican impeachment vote yeah the republicans um Led by Rand Paul, who I can't believe I liked Rand Paul one time. Me neither. What is wrong with you? Um, you because get, to you me, you get hit in the head. Were you suffering from a concussion when you said that? Well, I thought libertarians were the kind of more sane side of the Republican Party because I'll say this because of why. Because to me, traditional republicanism was so wrapped up in the religious right, and libertarians were like. 
well, we believe in people having the freedom to do whatever they want to do. So a lot of libertarians were not against gay marriage. Um, I'm pro-life, but a lot of libertarians were like, well, if you're going to say that, you know, you want people to have as much freedom as they possibly can, then you can't restrict people's rights when it comes to choice on abortion. Um, so I kind of looked at like libertarianism as like the separation of republicanism from the religious right, which was to me was a good step. But really the brand of libertarianism that I see out there now is anarchism. Like they just don't want anyone telling them to, to do anything. They don't want any laws. Like it, it, I mean, a lot of the people like Rand Paul just seem like they just don't want any, any control on anything. And it's like, dude, like we live in a society where people there have to be laws that restrict people. Come on. We live in a society. <clears throat> That's a meme. I know you pretty well get it. But no. Okay, sorry. I mean, as soon as you agree <laughs> to, to coexist in a group of people, you have restrictions on your freedom. Like, you don't just get to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, there has to be, like, compromise, negotiation and shit. Like, I'm so tired of these people that have just become so radically, like, all it's all about me and I want no restrictions on anything that I do. It's like, well, then go and live in Siberia by yourself somewhere. <laughs> Because the rest of us, like, want to live peacefully and collectively, and we have to establish some kind of common ground rules to do that. But um, anyway, so Rand Paul brought this before the House that, um, no, the Senate, right, that it's unconstitutional to impeach Trump because he's already left office. And it's just disgusting. And it was the whole purpose of the vote was to establish that there are not enough Republicans that are going to vote for impeachment. So you Democrats are going to put on a show, going to piss off a lot of people, and you're still not going to get what you want because we're not going to vote to impeach Trump. So he called this vote really as a show vote. It was like, the, this is how the impeachment vote's going to come out in the end. And um, only five Republicans voted against it. They need 17 to convict Trump. So then as soon as, you know, they held this staged vote, a lot of the Democrats were like, well, maybe we should just censure Trump. No, fuck that. Grow some balls. I don't Literally care. Literally the most spineless fucking people. I don't care if you impeach him and, it, and, it, and he's not convicted. You I know, don't th care. That's what kills me about, you know, when you talk about left versus right is like, I don't know, dude. I'm not, I obviously do not support what those people did at the Capitol at all whatsoever because of their reasoning behind it being literally fucking insane. But if that same exact situation happened for a legitimate reason, you know what I mean? I could almost like see it, but I'm just like, why is it always like the right that's willing to just like fucking go for it? <laughs> I mean, is it just blinded by like the same craziness that lets them believe in that QAnon bullshit? Like, yes. I mean, it's just, like, the left is so fucking, just, it just kills me how spineless they are. And, like, if you look into a lot of these protests that, like, end up turning violent or people that, like, vandalize buildings and stuff, I don't think that those types of people are really, like, oh, I'm on the left. You know what I mean? Like, especially, like, people who subscribe to the anti-fascist movement, those people are not, like, diehard Democrats. They're just anti-fascists. You know what I mean? Like... I don't know. I just feel like uh, 
Nah, Democrats, dude. Just fucking get some balls. <clears throat> this is what we always do. We always play, like, defense. That's all we ever do. We just, like, we come in after a Republican's been in office, and then we're like, oh, we're going to make it better. Let's and then just we, like, fix everything. We and do a couple like things. We don't yeah. want any glory for it. And, and we don't want to never... brag about anything that we do good for the people. We want to be modest. And we don't want to. I mean, it's just like nonsense. And then they never move forward with anything. It's such a fucking endless cycle. I, that's why I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I try to tell all my friends who, like, I see have similar views to me. And I'm like, listen, I get that, like, in situations you vote blue because that's, like, the most closely representative to what you believe. But, like, we got to keep pushing for more progressive candidates. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just can't, we can't keep settling for this shit. Well, and you know, the reason there's been such a huge movement among the right wing to get, quote, onto college campuses, conservative, this whole Turning Point USA thing and the whole movement, you know, Ben Shapiro, people trying to go, the gun girl, all these people. She's not the gun girl. She's the poop pants girl. The poop pants girl, who was formerly the gun girl. Um. You know, going on to college campuses to, you know, undo the liberal biases of colleges. You know what happens? People are raised in a rural, I don't want to say redneck. I'm a redneck. I mean, West Virginia's redneck, okay? But you're raised in a very backwards societal, society-wise, we're very backwards. You go to an institution of higher learning and you find out literally everything you were taught in school is a fucking lie. It's all patriotic bullshit. None of it's true. Um, everything you were told about government was was complete biased bullshit. Whitewashed. You actually get, when you go to higher education, professors are actually telling you what happened in history. Well, not only that, but you just... It's a shame that we don't start telling our kids when they're in grade school and high school the truth about the history of the United States of America, but they got to wait till they get in college because when you go to college, you're actually paying money. Right. And you don't got to worry about somebody's mom showing up and having a fucking tantrum. Exactly. Because you told her kid the truth. Well, not only that, too, but you get on the college campuses and it's just so, 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 so much more diverse, you know, and you hear right, from people from too. different backgrounds and you start to have compassion because you try to put yourself in their shoes. And you know what I mean? And obviously not everybody does that, but lots right. of people do right so you're right there's actually like a cultural liberalization that happens along with your mind being fucking cracked open by facts well you know what they say uh reality has a liberal bias <laughs> yeah i mean so that's what all this right-wing shit on college campus is about i don't think it's really going to go anywhere i mean they can force their way on there and give their little talks to like 20 people you know but um a lot of college campuses have chased that uh ramen noodle hair girl out though they just straight up fucking forced her out like we don't want you here get the fuck out like well to me the thing about that is you know i'm a i'm a defender of the second amendment but when you go into a private institution you know that is people pay money to go to that institution and the students to me are the people that 100 percent fund that institution right they should have a right to decide whether they want people to be able to carry guns on their campus or not. If it's a, if it's in a conservative area and like 95% of the student body are like, yeah, we, we want to be able to carry firearms and they take a vote on it, then let them carry firearms. If it's right. a very liberal area and they're just like, no, we don't feel safe having people on campus with guns and they take a vote and people go, oh, well, but they're getting federal money so they should have to do whatever the government tells them. 
you know what? That's so much bullshit because conservatives are always like always about oh states' we, rights. States' rights. We believe in small government. They are always about small government until they want to use the bully pulpit of the government to tell you what to do. Right. Exactly. It's just so fucking so hypocritical. Irritating, irritating. But yeah. So wait, why did we go off on that? Okay. So like. So yeah, I'm just sick of these Dems like caving in, and you know, just like the guns, the uh, the metal detectors in Congress. You know, if if somebody gets elected, you know, to by the people to take a position as a House member or a senator, they have been elected, chosen by the people. But that's a that's a government paid job, and when you take any job, you have a job description that you have to fulfill. And rules that you have to follow. And if these people come in there and they're like, we're not going to comply with any of the rules of the house, they should be fired. Right. Like you can have. Or like at least if if she's like, you know, what's that crazy ass woman's name? Green. Andrew Taylor Green. Yeah. So if she doesn't want to go in there because she claims that, you know, her rights are being violated or whatever. She wants to carry a gun in there. She doesn't want to have to go through a battle detector. Whatever the issue is, you somehow feel like you're being infringed upon. Then step down. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, if you aren't up to do what needs to be done, that's fine. And you have every right to not be forced to do that. And but to then be co- step down. Right. We need to stop coddling people. Exactly. I mean, Republicans always preach personal responsibility, but then mm-hmm. they just want to tantrum and have everything handed to them. And I'm not saying liberals don't do the same thing, but I just see it more and more that, like, they get just told too fucking bad. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean? They're kind of after this Marjorie Taylor Green lady anyways, because apparently... You know, before she even got elected, <clears throat> she put a lot of extremely inflammatory shit on her Facebook page, and she deleted a lot of it. But it's the internet. What? Nothing's ever it's gone. The internet. Nothing's ever gone. So people who had, and I don't know if there's people that just like, uh, what do you call that? Uh, download stuff, save it, screenshot it, whatever. I don't know if there's people that just do this like on the regular to everybody. Like, how do you? I don't know how they decide who to do it to or what, but they got her shit from, like, way back. I mean, yeah, a lot of uh, companies that, like, that are, like, they host the websites mm-hmm. or whatever, they, like, archive websites. Yeah. So that you just, the whole thing's up. I mean, and Facebook definitely does. You now, there was a hacker that did that to, um, was it Parler when they took Parler down or was it the other one? No, no, I'm not sure. I think it was when whenever this insurrection thing happened, they were talking about them organizing on Parler. I think they shut the site down, but um, somebody had sent me a link to where you could, it was a hacked, it was somebody who hacked and hacked into Parler and backed up all the posts. All their archives, yeah. Their archives. So somebody hacked their archives and put them online so you could go and look at them to go back and see what these people were saying prior to, you know, the insurrection. But um, yeah, so they have archives of Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that Democrats should be executed. Yeah, that's an act of treason, and I don't know why she's still standing, but she is because Democrats won't do anything about it. Well, the Republicans are actually the ones who are responsible for removing her, and Kevin McCarthy has been, like, I tweeted, like, people were assailing him, saying, like, how can you let a person who, A, is, is endorsing a domestic terror organization, which is QAnon, the FBI has declared him a domestic terror threat. She endorses that. She is refusing to comply with any of the rules of the house. She, you know, when they were in that, um, after the, the attack on the Capitol, they were shuffled off to this room, the safe room, 
basically. And she, she and a bunch of people that Republicans there, like four of them refused to put a mask on. And they were all like in this small area together for God knows how long they were going to be there. And, um, one of the other people actually did get coronavirus during that time, but they don't know who they got it from. But you know, uh, the lady said she was tested the day before and was negative. And then she goes in there and these people refuse to put masks on. Now she's positive. Like sometimes I feel like the timing of all that stuff is suspect. But regardless, she took a job where she knew what the rules were. And now she wants to come in there and just basically say F you to every rule that they, they put on her. And she needs to just go. She needs to be gone. And plus, how do you make a violent threat towards saying that Democrats need to be executed? And she didn't say anything about a trial. It was just they need to be executed. And then talk about bringing guns in there. Like, how are you supposed to get down to the business of government, which, believe me, is heated sometimes? When you're going to sit there with a firearm knowing you've already made a threat of violence against one of the other members, like, how do you even run a government like that? Like, that's bullshit. It's just disgusting. I don't know. If I were any kind of publicly elected representative, I would make it my mission every single day to call for these people to resign. And that that is one thing AOC has been doing that, you know, I think is important. You know, Ted Cruz tried to agree with her on all this uh, shit about the game stock or the GameStop stocks. And uh, she was like, you know, I'd be glad to work with you on this, but uh, not really because you were just like seriously calling for me to be murdered. So like resign. <laughs> like she just everything he says, she's like, resign, resign, resign. And I'm like, that's what needs to be happening. Like every single Democrat needs to be like <clears throat> out now. Like she needs to be out now. Every day until it's done. Well, and you know, the the Capitol insurrection, there were like five, like four or five people that died, right? And the Republicans, like nine months after Benghazi happened, they were, they is when they started, I guess, investigating Hillary Clinton, saying that she was negligent in the deaths of those people. So these people at the Capitol died, and now they don't want to even do like a, a serious investigation of, they just want to move on from it. Like, it's so egregious to me that, you know, you don't want to look at the circumstances of how this even came to happen. And I think the reason they don't want to look into is because half of them are complicit. Half of them were involved in ramping up, maybe funding. You know, these people, there's some serious questions floating around out there about did any of these uh, Republican congressional people like Mo Brooks and... um you know, did they, uh, did they, um, and I think maybe Andy Biggs, maybe there was a couple of them that were, <clears throat> that were mentioned by, um, one of the organizers as having, you know, worked with him to organize this whole, um, insurrection. So I, that's why they just want to skip over and be like, oh, we, you know, this is further going to divide the country. And look, isn't it funny that they only care about unity when it comes to we should all get together and forget that the insurrection ever happened. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, so far, you know, Joe Biden ran on unity, and he's trying to get the Republicans to agree to stimulus checks. Not happening. Trying to get with them on board with the coronavirus thing. Not happening. So, apparently, the only thing they really care about having unity on is getting the Democrats to disagree with them to let this whole thing go. And, um... I really hope they don't cave in, but I don't have a lot of faith. So we'll just see where it goes. But I have zero faith. On the um, QAnon thing, though. Oh, yeah. It was our next topic was the Q violence. 
Right. I watched a documentary, which is on, um, it was Vice. That's, I saw that on TV last night, but I was like, I don't even know if I can watch this because depending on who created it, like if this is some biased fucking film, mm-hmm. I'm going to be pissed. So I just, I'm like, I can't, I can't mentally <clears throat> do this right now. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I watch everything with like a jaded eye, I guess you'd say. But uh, it was really an excellent documentary. If you guys have time, like, you'll be just sucked into I was. Uh, because what they're doing is these, it's a man and a woman um, on Vice who are, who, who are both interested in finding out who Q is. And so they just start talking to people, and they just take you through, like, well, okay, so this guy we heard is this. Um, it kind of reminded me of Jesse Ventura's show. It's called uh, Q and On the Search for Q. Q and On the Search for Q. And, you know, they start talking to people. And then um, the first guy that they talked to was the guy that developed um, 8chan. And I think his last name is Brennan. But he's a, um, he has like that brittle bone disease where he's like a really small guy. And he has like, you know, physical, um, you know, like when you look at him, you can tell he has like um, a handicap issue. But um, so if you... He, th- I think his name's Brennan. But anyways, they go and they talk to him and they ask him like, well, why did you create HN? And he's like, well, originally the message board was like not designed well. And, you know, we wanted user to have more control, blah, 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 blah. So he creates HN and then um, he's contacted by this guy named Ron Watkins. And um, you remember Gamergate? Mm, I'm not familiar. So... Gamergate had to do with some issue in the gaming community where women were saying that they were being like mistreated in the oh, gaming oh, world. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So there was some big controversy about it. I read it about it a while ago, but I don't remember all the details. But basically, like, there was a lot of really hardcore, like, anti woman shit going on. And, Which um, I'd say that's probably true. And, um, anyway, so I guess 4chan. Or some other site like kicked off the gamer people. So they came over to like 8chan. And then so basically what happened with Facebook and Parlor, right? Facebook said we're not going to allow this extremism. So they all leaped ship and went to Parlor, right? So it's kind of that same thing. So this Brennan says, you know, well, all this traffic came to my site. <laughs> like, what was I going to do? Like, tell them I don't want their traffic. Like, that's what you live for in the internet world is traffic, right? He said, so I let them stay. And he said it was, it was, it was a tragic, horrible mistake. So they took over the site. There was a, so much extremism going on. Um, and this Ron Watkins um, came and uh, he, he was running some Japanese site. And this guy is so creepy. Like if you go and like look, look into this dude, he just, he just reeks creepiness to me. But anyways, he was running some uh, sites in Japan, and I guess they were, like, having, like, millions of people check site on a site today. So he tells Brennan he's going to help him out with HN, kind of moves in there. Um, but when the extremism got to the point where there were some shootings that happened in the Philippines because people were on there, like, plotting extremist shit, and because they said they didn't, um, you know, it was free forum, there was no censorship, no nothing. These people went on there and plotted some shoot, and they and they went out and shot and killed people. So that's when Brennan was like, "I'm done, I'm out. I don't want nothing to do with this site anymore." So Watkins comes in with his son and they take it over. So there's some people that think that this Watkins guy and his son are Q, that they started posting stuff on 8chan, 
And then 8chan got shut down and they created 8coon and Q moved from 8chan to 8coon. So that's another reason why they're like, okay, well, this Watkins guy probably has something to do with it. Um, but it's a really good documentary and they also go and talk to like people who say that the whole idea of Q was created as like a, a LARP, like a live action role playing game and it got out of control. Um, so they go through all these different theories about who it is and it's just a really good documentary. But, um, you know, my thing is that, um, I don't understand why intelligence agencies aren't doing more to try and figure out who this Dude, that's what, person that's is. That's what I'm saying. Like, after learning so much about Edward Snowden and just like, dude, like, what the fuck? The NSA can do whatever the fuck they want, and they do. Right. And you're telling me you don't know who Q is. Right. Like, suck a dick. There is no way. I mean, and all of these, like, you know, web, I want to call them, like, servicing sites, like, didn't Amazon own Parler and that's why they, or like owned the, like the, uh, the place where Parler was hosted by. So Amazon actually said like, we're not going to host you anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, right. Yeah. They pulled it from their right. Uh, platforms. So that's what it is. Like whoever controls it. So they try to find places where that's controlled by somebody who doesn't owe anybody anything and they just can run wild. And there's very few places that are going to, you know, want to be responsible for that kind of thing. But um, Q, the thing about it is, you know, yes, people have a right to free speech. Yes, people have a right to their crazy, batshit crazy even beliefs. But when an entity has shown a propensity for violent extremism, I think all bets are off at that point. And, you know, it's surprising to me that what happened at the Capitol, that there weren't more people killed there. I mean, it's actually really surprising to me that there weren't, like, and I think it was only due to the restraint of the Secret Service people that were there and the police officers to kind of not instigate a higher level of confrontation. Like, it seems kind of shitty when you see them kind of just talking nicely to these people who broke into the Capitol. But when you're like one guy and there's a hundred, what are you going to do? break out your gun and start shooting like how many rounds you have and then you're going to get beat to death so like it becomes a situation where you got to do what you can do and and if that means just negotiating with the terrorist and trying to keep them calm and remembering what they look like for future reference sometimes that's what you got to do which just goes to show that obviously uh all these people that claim that you know, Black Lives Matter movements and these protests and the people that call those people terrorists. Mm -hmm. I just want to be like, well, clearly they aren't because if they were, then they wouldn't have been, you know, tear gassed and shot at and beat up. And <laughs> apparently with terrorists, we just were just like, all right, well, just don't break anything. <laughs> well, I think if you look, though, at the difference between the manpower. So when the Black Lives Matter people were in Washington, now, granted, it was not the very first moment they got there. There was like a couple of days and they, they, they had time to. You know, the pictures you see where there's like tons and tons of like military looking people like holding the line against the Black Lives Matter people. That wasn't like right away. Like it did take them some time to get some people together. But the thing about the Capitol was like they had all this notification ahead of time. Like it's all coming out now that there was plenty of intelligence that they should have had more people there. So I just think it's an extremely, um, extremely uh, slap in the face type of message to all these people who have been watching these protests, which most of which were peaceful, but you know, the media makes everybody believe that they were all like burning down cities. 
um, that, you know, we saw so many videos from firsthand accounts circulating on the internet of police just straight up attacking people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like all these pictures circulating, all these videos. I mean, pictures maybe can be misleading, but like when you have a video from three different angles of a cop, just like punching somebody who's standing on the sidelines, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's not really a lot of ways to explain that. And I just, we saw a lot of that mm-hmm. over the summer, especially after, you know, the George Floyd protests and all that. There, there was a lot of police brutality straight up recorded and there was no denying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like the video of the old man that he pushes on the ground mm-hmm. and he cracks his head open. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. We saw so much of that and we didn't see that here. And then you had Joe Biden coming out and saying straight up, like, well, we know that this would have been different if it was a Black Lives Matter protest. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you make this, I mean, that's a statement. That's right. a statement you're making. And I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying that's a big message. I think mm-hmm. people are not. I mean, the next, I just, unfortunately, we all know that there will be another George Floyd incident that will capture the media's attention. And I don't think people are going to be, you know, <laughs> I think people are going to take a page from this capital incident when they go to the streets. So. Well, you know, and the, that's everything too about the, the, I mean, the fact that there's, there was an article in the guardian um, about the violent acts that have happened as a result of, you know, QAnon and they're not like a small number. Um, so there was a guy who, well, you know, you can kind of count the comet, pizza thing the pizza gate thing where the guy took a gun into comet ping pong or whatever and like fired shots thankfully nobody was killed but um you know that was part of the whole precursor to QAnon the whole cabal of democrats the sex trafficking john podesta Nima, and all that stuff like that's what was motivating this guy who was obviously batshit crazy because there wasn't even a basement at that comet ping pong you know, and I and I just got to say myself, like, if you're going to be a investigative, independent journalist, hey, I got mad respect for that. But instead of taking a, a gun, okay, all you people that may, may be out there thinking about you're going to do some investigating yourself, these child sex trafficking shit, instead of taking a gun, why don't you take a camera and try to find the basement. Yeah, dude, I'd go straight like how like, uh, the Humane Society does when they find like secret puppy mills and like abuse in pet shops and shit. I would just like get hired there and investigate right. it that way. Or I would show up in like some kind of fucking fake bought uniform being like, I'm from the, the city and we have to do an inspection of the structure of this property. Yeah. You know, literally any fucking way you could have done it other than just blind rage. But that's what I'm saying. Like so much of it is... It's almost like I don't understand how the people that follow it can't realize that it's a psyop and you're being used to commit acts of violence. You're not being used to, to stop any of this or to, fi- or to investigate it or find out about No, because if it was, Q would be telling you to um, be vigilant and always be on the lookout for, you know, children who seem to be in distress or, you know what I'm saying, like, they well, would put I'm, out- I'm hoping to to eventually have Jermaine and another friend of mine uh, who's a social worker come on the show to talk about that specifically because we all saw these these Q people, you know, bolstering their save the children rhetoric and do nothing. They didn't donate. They didn't educate themselves. They didn't go to programs. They, you know what I mean? Like they, there was no change in the people who are actually working with kids who deal with abuse, at least locally in their experience. And, but I've heard this from a lot of people online. 
and I've heard this directly from people I know who, who work with children, they saw zero change in, in any help for these kids. They didn't see people showing up to more. Like we have, we, they're in, it, just in Wheeling. There are different resources that, um, mm-hmm. you ever go to the waterfront for like the Italian Fest or anything? Mm-hmm. They, there are people that are always down there handing out pamphlets about like, here, come to our program. Like we have a whole seminar about human trafficking and like what to look for. None of these programs have seen an uptick. There's been no like more donations to play. You know what I mean? It was just all talk. And we all knew that from the start, but it needs to be called out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that are that genuinely want to help, and the but like and, having bad but, feelings. Right. This, this comes back to the thoughts on prayers don't do shit. Right. So, so put up or shut up. But but the feeling, if the feeling is genuine though, it is going to be a a lure. You know, nobody joins a cult because you know the guy Stephen Hassan who wrote who's written books. He he was a member of the Moonies cult. And when he broke free from it, he became a counselor and counseled other people to um, get out of it. He also wrote The Cult of Trump, which um, he, he generally avoided politics, but um, but he did write that book. And he talks about, you know, how people get into cults. And he said when he got into the Moonies, um, these, he had just been broken up with by his girlfriend. He was on a college campus, and these two girls came up were kind of being flirty with him and invited him to go hang out at this you know, week for the weekend at this place or whatever. And he said, you know, if they would have walked up and told me, oh, by the way, we think this um, moon is uh, this, the savior of the world and you're going to come and join our cult and you're not going to have sex for four years be- until he picks a mate for you. And then you only be allowed to have sex when he tells you like, he's like, if they would have come up and honestly like told me what they were about, of course I wouldn't have joined. But, you know, they look for vulnerable people. They play on your emotions and they suck you in. And then they begin the process of, um, he calls it the bite model, uh, but basically it's how they, uh, you know, cults restrict you from having emotional connections to your friends and family who might be able to talk some sense into you because that's a threat to the right. cult. Just like an abusive relationship. Right. So, and he goes into like, so, and I got to get his book and read that too, but, um, but yeah, there's already been like a lot of violent acts that have been attributed to this, uh, QAnon and, um. You know, so there was this guy who um, went to the Hoover Dam in an armored vehicle and uh, blocked the ro- blocked the road. And he had guns, two military like rifles and two handguns and like 900 rounds of ammunition. Um, and basically the reason he did that, his name was Matthew Wright, is because Trump had made any of the mass arrests that QAnon said were imminent, which... Q was predicting Hillary Clinton was going to be arrested like three months into Trump's presidency. Like, none of the shit that's been predicted has actually happened except for vague stuff that people interpret as, you know, well, this is all in the, it's like the checks in the mail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. I mean, and I, I've seen a lot of people saying that too. Like, not even trying to be like in your face, you were wrong. Just genuinely saying like, okay, well, maybe you can like come back to the reality that we live in now. And kind of analyze the sources where you got your information and just like take a step back. Like no one is, no, at this point we're not going to say or do anything as long as you come back to reality and mm-hmm. stop doing this. Like check your sources. Like let, let's just let this be a lesson learned mm-hmm. and move the fuck on. I don't, I don't even see anybody that's really like, you know, the first couple of days after Trump lost and people were still screaming uh, that Trump won and this and that and the other, really until after the inauguration and I think things started to calm down a little bit. Um, 
but since the inauguration i haven't seen anybody like gloating or you know what i mean like really just being shitty about the whole situation um because i i really think that people just want to move the fuck on like i i think a lot of people myself included uh they just want trump to become irrelevant you know what i mean so well, like, right and i mean come i think back to reality. i feel like liberals when i feel like liberals whenever we come into power like we are like okay thank god now we're not be, trying to be killed by these right wingers so we feel kind of sorry for them like we start to kind of soften our tone more and like okay okay now that they can't hurt us we want to talk to them again right but the right wing doesn't do that like when they get into power it's all about the assault they have to assault they have to maintain power they have to get more power they have to crush out the leftists you know it's all about waging war on us when they have power but as soon as we come to power we're like okay we got to work together if we want to have peace like we start thinking in those terms and like that's why we have a hard time like you know winning because we 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 don't really want to beat them into submission we want to actually try and find some kind of middle ground like we don't always have to agree on everything but we have to agree that we both want peace and not to kill each other like there's certain things we have to agree on if we're gonna not be having like some tribal you know warfare i just feel like we've been doing that for so long i don't know why um and i i am hopeful but i'm not gonna hold my breath that in this presidency that there will be more focus on just getting things done because what is in front of somebody that cannot be denied, I think is worth more than anything else. Um, you know, like I know Joe Biden's not for Medicare for all, so obviously this would never happen. But, you know, if he got the office and rolled out first thing, it was just like, done, universal health care for everyone. Even the people that oppose that for whatever reason, if it worked out in the way that progressives mm-hmm. think it would and it benefited them, mm-hmm. there would be no fighting it anymore. Mm-hmm. They'd kind of just have to swallow it and be like, mm, okay, I was wrong be about like it. Be like Social Security and right. unemployment so insurance. Just fucking put it out there. Focus on the policies. And like, if they're bad policies, then people will attack them and we'll move on. Mm-hmm. But like, even the Republicans had four years of Trump and, and Republican control. And did they get rid of Obamacare? No, because they fucking knew they didn't have anything better. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. I mean, that's the whole point. They they had to face it as much as they bashed it all that time mm-hmm. that they had nothing better to offer. Well, like I said, it's the checks in the mail. Like Bush said for eight years, the check was in the mail. He was going to come up with some kind of health care. There's something to do about prescription drug costs and all that stuff. Didn't do jack squat. Obama comes in there, passes Obamacare, which was terribly flawed, but passed it. And it did give insurance to people, many millions of people who didn't have it. And, you know, my parents who were like, super anti-hate Obama people, I said, look, you know um, who put Obama in office? Bush. (laughs) Because people were saying we are desperately struggling and the Republicans did nothing. That's why Obama won. It was a vote against Bush. So it wasn't, a lot lot of people did vote for Obama because he was the first black president and people believed that, you know, his rhetoric hope and change. But they also voted against Bush. You know, so um, they wanted to change. They wanted somebody who's going to do actually try to do something for people. Right. And I mean, in some of the ways, I mean, after, after the, the housing collapse, you know, and Obama put certain programs into effect to help people try to stay in their homes and reform that situation. You know, somebody who was about to lose their home that then didn't is, you know what I mean, is forever changed by that. They might not be like, you know, diehard supporters of Obama, but like, they're not gonna you can't forget that you know Mm -hmm. what i mean i mean that's like a psychologically ingrained thing that like 
okay, stress, you think you're going to lose your house all this time under this president, and then the next one suddenly, like, that's not a worry anymore? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's going to be in your mind, mm-hmm. regardless of what you try to make yourself believe. Like, I, I genuinely think that affects people. So I wish that at least if Democrats weren't going to, you know, try to put an end to this type of madness, then focus on passing shit. Mm-hmm. Getting shit done. Right. We've got, how, we're like, what, two weeks in now of Joe mm-hmm. Biden presidency? Where's the fucking stimulus checks? Work it out now. Yeah. People, well, I think pe- they're that's just the gonna, only thing you're going to keep I people I think they're just going to have to pass it without the Republicans because they're trying to make it bipartisan. Biden wants it bipartisan. But here's the deal. Republicans don't want you to get any money. Period. End of story. Because as you know what happens, as soon as a Democrat becomes in power, they all of a sudden are like, fiscal conservatives and they don't want to spend any money on anything now when their guys in office we can fund billions and billions of dollars in wars and make Halliburton rich and defense contractors can make tons of money like they don't they spend like crazy when their guys in office but as soon as a democrat comes in they pretend like they're fiscally conservative because they want to see every democrat policy fail and they know if they just fight it and it's half-assed because they're trying to cooperate with the republicans or they just get shut down because they can't get enough people to agree to it then you know it makes it just makes them makes Democrats look like a failure. So they're just being obstructionists, and and I think Biden is just going to pass it. If all he can do is get all Democrats on board, he's just going to pass it, and they're just going to have to be like, okay, well, too bad. I think that's going to be a first major move, um, if if that happens, and I hope it does. And um, uh, you to, know, to show that Biden's not going to do this because a lot of people are still on the fence that he's going to be so worried about this unity preaching bullshit, yeah, that he's just going to let us all suffer, and it's like we're not going to put up with that dude like there's a a book i'm reading right now called aftershock and it's about the next economic um crisis but it's by robert b reich and um he talks about how the basic problem of income inequality is destroying our capitalist system because their people don't have enough money to buy something and he goes into a lot of details about the the um 19 uh in 1928 the concentration of wealth in the hands of a very few people and how people at the bottom like were didn't have enough to buy things and it just in the great depression he talked about all of these statistics that he went back and looked at you know like how much percentage of new in, new income was going to the top 1% and how much new income was going to the bottom 99% and he compares that to the 2008 housing crisis and he says you know there were a lot of differences but the main thing was concentration of wealth in the hands of a very few people and you could see it he's like if you put it on a graph right before every great depression every bad recession you see like a concentration of wealth in the hands of a few people and then it collapses because why you can't have what people have to have money to buy shit if you want to run a capitalist system where it's like well supply and demand well that's great but if people can't afford to buy anything you produce then you you can make all the shit you want. Your prop, your company's going to go out of business because no one can afford to buy right, it. Right, which I never understood. If we really want, um, like, free market capitalism to work in this country, then there's got to be some kinds of regulations. And instead of the ones, um, I don't know, I feel like there are a lot of bullshit regulations, but I don't know why we don't just do ones that could actually benefit people. I mean, like, when people do their taxes, you can you know, claim all these different things like depreciation on a property or like expenses you had to repair it or whatever. And you're like, okay, this is income, but I get to count all this stuff as deductions because it's what it costs mm-hmm. to run the place, right? So if we do that with taxes, I don't know why we can't do that with uh, like housing per se. I mean, people say we want to raise the 15 hour minimum wage. 
um, great, but then everybody argues that the prices will go up. And, you know, there's a lot of argument on that that we, don't, we won't get into right now. But I'm like, okay, so meet in the middle there is raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour and then only make necessity items have a percentage cap of how much they can profit off of them. Mm-hmm. We obviously already know that that is a thing that works because, like, look at Walmart. You know what I mean? They, by selling a large majority of products, manage to offer the lowest prices for groceries. You know what I'm saying? So it, it works out for them. So it's like they know if they overcharge for it, someone else will find a way to get it cheaper and provide it that way. Well, that too, it's, that's a price point. Like if they figure right, out how so much. So set a price point for basic necessities well, like food, you... medicine, housing, basic. But that's here's it. the thing. You won't have to mandate it because... What will happen is, okay, everybody's got $15 an hour now, right? So people are going to still want to buy products. So if you if your gallon of milk costs $3 and the other guy's like, well, screw that. People are making $15 an hour. I'm going to start charging $4 for my milk. Guess what? No one's going to buy your milk. They're still good. They're going to buy $3 milk. Right. But then we get these huge monopolies running in our country. I mean, just like now, with, but there, but there's supposed to be antitrust laws to prevent that. So well, that, I mean, but how do you that. deal with things like the housing? I just don't think we need, we would need to price fix. I think the whole thing, the whole lie that if we raise wages, it's going to cause an astronomical increase in inflation. That's all a lie. Well, I get that. And I would agree in saying things like products that are sold, but we see as time goes on more so in housing specifically mm-hmm. where, oh, you're making more money. Well, we're going to raise the price of rent. I mean, the price of rent goes up regardless. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if we I just think if they put a cap on things like that, like here, you can only make a percentage more on these basic necessities. Then the rest of the free market could regulate itself the way that it did, because, OK, this person works a minimum wage job. They make $15 an hour. They can afford a house and their medicine and food. Mm-hmm. You still have motivation if you want more, if you want a nice car, if you want if you want an iPhone, if you want all those things, then, okay, those are all regulated by a free market. Mm-hmm. If you want better things, you work better. But, like, we can't, I don't, I just don't believe in using yeah, basic necessities. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, like, exploitation. And also, you know, like, some countries, and I've said this for years, I didn't know anybody actually did it. But there are some countries that um, put the cap on the CEO's salary at, like, 12 times what the mm-hmm. line worker makes. And, like, it actually helps to stabilize the economy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to have to come to some conclusion eventually, but America is so afraid of doing anything radical. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. Like, all of the things that we're famous for doing that are just out of this fucking world, you know, like electing a TV show host as president that has no experience whatsoever. I mean, we're willing to do that, but we can't make a radical move like that, like, you know, mm-hmm. saying that a company owner can only make right. 15 times what his lowest employee makes. I mean, Jesus. But that's all I have for you, Mick. So um, if you have any closing thoughts. Well, um, just a couple more of these, like, people that were, if you want to check out this Guardian article, um, it's called QAnon, a timeline of violence linked to this conspiracy theory. But you've had, like, people, um, you know, go and attack churches, like, bust up churches. Um, Montana police arrested a QAnon supporter from Colorado with, uh, with an alleged kidnapping scheme. Um, so here's some people that are supposed to be stopping what? Human trafficking. <laughs> this guy's developing a kidnapping scheme. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's just a list, but there's, you know, a, a guy who derailed a freight train. Um, 
who was trying to crash it into the ship in the Navy Harbor. Remember the COVID ship? Yes. So that guy was a QAnon person. I mean, it's just, it, it, I'm almost like, what's, what's it going to take? Like, does it have, what's the body count got to be? Does it got to be 20, 30, 40, 100, 200? Like, what does the body count have to be before people go, yeah, you know what? Marjorie Taylor Greene's got to fucking go because she's like part of a terrorist organization. Like, what, at what point are we going to decide this group is a dangerous, malignant force that needs to be dealt with in a different way? Like, this is not about free speech. This is about, I mean, to me, it's like the ultimate orchestration of mind control. And it's, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know what, when we're going to start taking it. Now, the mainstream media has started to report on it more. I think they didn't want to give it oxygen because they thought if they just didn't talk about it, it would go away. And we were talking about it when it was first in its you know, infancy. I don't know how early on it was then, but um, I know that at the time we started talking about it, there was hardly anybody like even knew what it was. And I'm just like, this shit is going to be bad. <laughs> like, and I just wish that the authorities, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention was the Nashville guy. Remember the Nashville? The bombing? The Nashville bombing. The RV bombing, okay. So apparently the guy mailed out some packages to people um, that he knew a couple days before the bombing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember reading that. And, um, yeah, he was a big believer in all kind of conspiracy shit. Um, he believed that whole lizard thing, at least he, at least according to the, you know, where the people, some people are alien lizards, we've been invaded kind of thing. Like, and that's according to people that received these packages, some of the things that he put in there. Um, I still think it's interesting that I haven't heard what type of explosive he used. And I think that they're intentionally not wanting to tell people because it's probably something that's not yet restricted by law. But, um. I, I don't know. I just like, I hope things calm down and I, I go on these message boards sometimes and talk to these people that are a hundred percent dedicated to this Q thing. And I try to tell them like, listen, I feel for you. You know, I know what it's like to be sucked into something like this and please just stop and think about what's, you know, the manipulation that's going on behind the scenes or I'll put links in there. And like, who knows, maybe it doesn't, maybe it's falling on completely deaf ears, but maybe this one person will get out. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sad and scary to me, the, the level it's gone to. But if you get a chance, check out the Vice documentary. And I think CNN's supposed to do something tomorrow about it. Um, and maybe we need to start a public campaign too for the government to find out who, who this person is before, you know, something big happens. But that's all I have for tonight. All right. Well, I guess we will wrap this up. We only went over a little bit this time. <laughs> I think this is a... Uh, I try to keep track and I'm like, well, we're getting better. We're getting better <laughs> about this. <laughs> but um, all right. Well, that's all I have for this week. So this is Juke signing off. And this is Mick signing off.